Today's episode is brought to you in part by the fine folks down at Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waders and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. Check in on their website for the latest updates and policies regarding shopping during the pandemic. Curbside pickup for your online and phone orders is a great way to get the gear you need. And they're shipping for free across Canada on orders over 175 bucks. Visit Drift Outfitters com to learn more driftoutfitters.com Hello and welcome to another episode of SoFly. It is uh, the end of January. We're back recording another episode. And this time, um, we're going to be talking about something quite warm for the season uh, because it's winter and, uh, you know, we're we're thinking about summer days ahead and, and warm <laughs> times ahead. But, of course, we've got myself, Mitch. We've got Aldo. Hello, everybody. And we've got Yilma. Hello, everyone. And uh, we've got uh, a friend on the show who uh, we've had on before, and we've gone fishing with many times, and uh, he is going to uh, bestow us with all kinds of fishy bass knowledge today. We've got Matt Martin on the show from Smooth River Guiding Co. Matt, how's it going? Hey, thanks. Yeah, I'll do my best to spread some knowledge. We'll see. You guys know what's going on. Oh, Matt, not as much as you, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, no, we're uh, we're well, excited to chat that. about bass because, um, you know, like I was saying, it's winter, and and of course, you know, last year, I think you discovered and, you know, you guys all went out on the bass flats, mm-hmm. um, which is a really unique sort of smallmouth fishing day. And, um, you know, we touched on it a little bit last year, but we want to talk more today about kind of, um, you know, we, we don't really typically get super educational on the show. We don't really dive into like techniques and how to's. It's kind of always been like a point of SoFly, but like, we just want to like, try one you know and and i think this is the time to do it the winter when we're all just like mm-hmm. dreaming about fishing you know like we could talk about days on the water from a from a more philosophical fun standpoint but there's also something to be said about like talking about technique when you're sitting <laughs> in a cold office with snow outside you know what i mean we're deep diving and daydreaming at the same time exactly it's it's a bad it's a bassy deep dive today. deep dive but, um, daydream it's a bdd yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I still D's. think it's something super unique for, I mean, you know, Yilma yeah. and I joined Matt last year. Mitch, unfortunately, you weren't able to yeah. join us, but, you know, we, 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 I, I've never fished like this before for bass and like, you know, Georgian Bay, whoever's familiar with Georgian Bay is crystal clear waters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they, you know, we were walking and waiting flats. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were in waders because the water's cold, so it's not exactly like the tropics, yeah. but like it from like a you know from an approach technique it's pretty much pretty similar yeah. i mean obviously bass are different than bonefish or snook or something but you know the approach is the same georgia bay from the view of a drone looks like a pretty <laughs> cool you know yeah. like you know we'll, we'll we'll be sure to you know while we promote this episode to toss up more images from our time this summer but like yeah like georgia bay from the skies fucking beautiful like yeah sky blue water crystal clear mm-hmm. rocky hard bottom easy to wade so yeah so stoked like it was definitely one of my more favorite if not my favorite outing this summer well 
Yeah, so, man. That's like, amazing. I mean, I'm, uh, bass fishing's I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm stoked to talk. I about think more it. anglers <laughs> are getting more into it. You know, bass mm-hmm. fishing over the years, and uh, mm-hmm. um, it's like I don't know why you wouldn't. It's it's awesome. So we're definitely gonna talk about that. But before we cool. get into that stuff, maybe like just a little catch up with Matt. Like Matt, how's it going? <laughs> how's your guidance season? Has been extended here. It's been like yeah. warm. You know? Yeah, it's it's been great. I mean, first off, it's kind of funny. I'm sitting here listening to you guys talk, and I'm like, oh yeah, wait, I'm actually in this one. I got to talk to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just listening to you guys banter. Uh, so yeah, pinch me or uh, you know poke me if I'm not talking enough. Um, yeah, no, man. Like the season was great. You know, we had an extremely uh, long season this year. It started off early with an early melt, and steelheading was great. Trout fishing was awesome. Bass yeah. was fantastic. Um, fall steelhead, you know, we, we cram our calendars so full just to squeeze in as many days as possible, knowing there's going to be blowouts and knowing that, you know, from a guide's perspective, like your days on the water are kind of numbered just due to high flows and and turbidity. Mm -hmm. So you overbook, right? Um, you book seven days a week with the anticipation of a few of them getting canceled. It didn't happen this year. It was just low water all year. So we had, you know, I think we were, I was sitting at like my longest stretch was like 50 something days in a row, right? Like I was wow. rowing a drift boat. It was, <laughs> it was amazing because we really got to learn to pattern the fish, but was it ever exhausting? Oh um, man, I bet. Right. And I've been looking forward, you know, to, you know, slower, slower January and, uh, and winter overall. And we had a really, really solid freeze up in mid December, everything locked up. And then yeah. uh, we're like, okay, season's kind of over. We're like, talking about rescheduling days and, uh, and, and playing days by year. Uh, and then all of a sudden it opened up and it's been good ever since. So it hasn't really been much of a break. Um, uh, and, and I've got this never ending list of uh, commission flies that I'm tying that are piling right. up and trying to get yeah. those out the door. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's good to be busy. Uh, and here I am, you know, complaining about being too busy. Um, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's, uh, it's good oh, it's to see good. it almost over. Um, so I'm out yeah. tomorrow and then Wednesday and then uh, and then I think I'm off the rest of the week because it gets cold again. But, nice. Yeah. It's, well, I mean, it's it's not so much complaining. It's just about like you were planning on having this being a slow period yeah. to tie flies and yeah. and catch up on probably I'm assuming some administrative work For and sure. also just hang out with your kid, kid yeah. and get your my, wife, get my taxes oh, organized, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we a got, lot. You know? Yeah, it's a lot to yeah. do. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> exactly. But surprise, you're guiding. Exactly. You're booked. <laughs> so, the fish don't care. The fish don't care. They're biting. It's been yeah. awesome. We've had some crazy number of days. Just some good days on the water. It's been cold in the mornings, but you know, by nine o'clock, it's above freezing. We're not chipping ice off the guides anymore, and yeah, uh, and we're we're catching fish. So you know, if you can't ice fish right now, well, you can, mm-hmm. but like most lakes, you can't. Um, yeah, yeah. Might as well go steelheading. So oh hell hell yeah hell right yeah, yeah. so it's been awesome. Uh, yeah, I guess that all wraps up and is it was a fantastic year. That's great. That's, That's really good. good, man. Yeah, it's awesome to to hear that because uh, and this year yeah, we, got out, we got out for we got out for a day on the water and it was awesome. we did. Yeah, we got out fun, there man. in December, right? Um, yeah, for a day of steel hunting. Pretty cold to start. Got some fish in the boat. Warmed us yeah. up pretty quick. John clipped yeah. with an awesome shore launch. Yeah, uh, that was <laughs> fried walleye sandwich. Fried walleye. Was so <laughs> that was, that was awesome. I'm like, awesome. I've never had a client cook for me before, but I'm okay with yeah. this. All I, re- all I remember yeah, from like, I can't get used to that, you know? All I yeah. could remember from that day was him getting the stove started. And then he's like, you know, I'm going to go fish a little bit. And then he makes like three casts and hooks a fish. Yeah. And then he's yelling at Mitch to shut the stove off because the oil's about to catch fire. Yeah. <laughs> you could smell the oil boiling over in the, in the river. Well, the oil didn't boil over, let me be clear. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, was, yeah. it was pretty funny. I was uh, quick with the shut off. You were yeah. quick with the shut off. Yeah. And then he got right <laughs> nice. back to it. He and is that good with that. Fried walleye was wicked. 
So yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> shout out to John Affinity yeah. Fish. Yeah, yeah shout yes. out to John Affinity. Take a page out of uh, Prince's book and make your clients make you lunch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, where's my sandwich, man? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> the Prince, the Prince tax. Amazing. That's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> All right, yeah. so let's yeah, jump sure. in then to today's show because it's going to be, like I said, more informative, more educational. Matt, we're going to ask you questions. You're going to just kind of give us the lowdown on what you know. And uh, and people people are going to take notes at home and start prepping for bass season because it's right yeah, around the corner. Right around um, the corner. Crack your notebooks Get out. your notebooks out, you know. Um, you can hit pause. You can rewind. That's a great thing about this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can rewind. Um, but, uh, yeah, why don't we, so we're going to be talking about bass on freshwater flats. Um, why don't we just talk about first, you know, what is a freshwater flat? How do people find freshwater flats? Like, what are we looking for in a lake? You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, so yeah, like I think. Oh, also, can I jump yeah, in real quick? Before we start? If you're watching on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, you know, we're going to be talking about flies, lines, and, yes. um, and some other stuff. So if you want to see the patterns we're talking about, um, we'll do our best to describe them to, for the audio only listener. Mm-hmm. But if you want to see them, they're going to be on YouTube. Yeah, we'll be holding them Great right call. up to the camera. Just sorry, just a little, just a little note. Very good. On a side. Sorry to interrupt. Very oh, good you're aside. Good. You're good. So what was yeah. it? Was uh, how do you identify where do you find them? That kind of stuff. Yeah. What is a freshwater flat? Cool. Like, what does it look like? You so know? I guess like we're stealing that terminology from the saltwater scene, right? So I mean, technically, we're yeah. just fishing, you know, hard limestone bottomed areas. And they don't have to be hard. You can walk and wade and ankle the knee deep muck, soft bottom if you want to. Um, it's not enjoyable. Um, but hey, sometimes those are the fish are. So <laughs> from my perspective, especially when we're talking bass, um, they are gonna the smallmouth are gonna be found in those hard bottomed areas um, that you can usually. It's as simple as opening up you know satellite view online google maps whatever you use and just yeah. looking at lakes um you know lakes in our area that's the the great lakes region uh mm-hmm. a lot of them uh, you know happen to be limestone based i think most of them like south of muskoka right um right, right when you get up into that north of Aurelia, you start seeing the granite poke through and northern georgian bay starts becoming some granite but southern mm-hmm. georgian bay all the way to I don't know, Lake Ontario, Lake Erie is all, you know, limestone based. Um, yeah. So the great thing about limestone is it, it, it's not big chunk rock. It tends to be long slabs of rock um, from when the glaciers retreated or gravel. It's kind of the, the two real ways it comes in or maybe maybe chunk rock, but not to the degree that granite can be where it's right. big, sharp drop offs. Um, so open up Google Maps, jump on the satellite view and just take a look at lakes. Um, you know, I... I target lakes that are on the large size. So, you know, most of my spots are going to be found uh, on Ontario's like Western shore, like Lake Huron, uh, through Georgian Bay, um, Northern Lake Ontario, along the Toronto shoreline. Um, There's lots of spots like that. The reason why I want larger bodies of water uh, is there's larger fish. Uh, those, those great lakes Mm. fish are big, you know, they've got amazing Mm -hmm. forage. They've got a long growing season. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of, bait fish so those those yeah. those invasive gobies right or the invasive rusty crayfish um those right. are hot on the menu for those bathroom that's what's making them big i think it right, was right, just right. this mm. fall correct me if i'm wrong but i think it was october like the new ontario record smallmouth was caught in on lake erie right it was like mm-hmm. 10 pounds six yep. ounces or something yeah. like giant so that's like, a big like, fish man. Like <laughs> a 10, pounds, 10 pound smallmouth in, in canada like what what is going on pretty cool um, you know and 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 although in, in yoma you guys can attest you know because you've been there with me like we're not seeing small bass on these flats like they're 
They're no. all 18 inches or better. Yeah. Um, it's not a numbers kind of day. Usually there were some days in, in my past three or four years, four years guiding on the flats where you're seeing yeah. those double digits, 20 fish days, but <clears throat> you know, most of them it's, you're going for four to eight bites and they're yeah. all going to be four to six pounds. Like they're, they're big, small all tanks. Wow. So okay. look for those, uh, you know, hard bottomed areas on, on satellite view. They're going to show up as light colored bottoms, um, yeah. you know, but that could also show up as sand. So right, right, I mean, right, to, right. Di- to digress a little bit, like find a spot on a map, you know, look at Navionics charts, look at bathmetric topo charts, maps. Top, yeah. like topo maps to see, you know, the, um, the, uh, what do you call it? The, the gradient change on shore. Yeah. Like if it's super steep hill mm. going into the water, it's probably not going to be a shallow right. bay. But if you look yeah. up like, you know, even, um, there's so many free map viewers online for bathmetric maps now. Um, yeah. if you just search, you know, Lake Ontario bathymetric map, you'll find free versions of you on your computer. Um, yeah. and it is the best thing you to do as I tell everybody when they're asking me how to find a trout river, how to find bass water, how to find pike base time on the water, you know, go out yeah. there, yeah. look at it. Um, just just learn, yeah. don't expect to catch a fish every time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, these flats, you know, that I hold close to my heart were ones that I've discovered I, a long time ago. I mean, just doing this like lots of driving yeah. when i was a little you know fishing bum before i was in the working as a guide i was just an addicted angler like we all are yeah. um and right. I, I found all these little secret spots and uh some of them aren't so little like some of them are quite large bays like the one of the yeah. ones we fished together um you know you can spend a full eight to ten hours roaming this flat um looking for fish so look online and get out there and just just check it out Okay, yeah. So it sort of sounds like it's a big, what you're looking for is just a big kind of like shallow, flat, low mm-hmm. incline kind of bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and specifically what we'll talk about today is Great Lakes versions of that sure. because they yeah. bring big fish in and, mm-hmm. and you know, mm-hmm. we've fished them so we know that this stuff we're saying actually works. Yeah. But I guess um, these kind of like flat areas... Uh, you could find anywhere they can be sand, they can be rock. Yeah. Like and, and, yeah. and one thing to, to make clear too, is that like, I'm talking about limestone. It doesn't have to be limestone. Like yeah, sand yeah. bottoms yeah. are good. Um, like a silty bottom with sparse weed cover is good. The mm. best thing you can actually find is transition zones. So if you can find mm. where weed goes to sand or where rock goes right. to sand, um, the right. fish are going to patrol those areas or you can find like chunk rock. Like some of the rocks we were walking on that day are the size of a small car to a small, to an apartment like they're giant <laughs> slabs of rock yeah. and then there's like a two foot drop right to like silty bottom and those yeah. bass are just going to cruise they're going to cruise those edges and they're just going to yep. they're opportunistic right but you know they're not always just lying in wait like everybody thinks of a bass you know you think of them as cottage lake like they're laid up under a tree they're waiting yeah. for something to fall on their head smallmouth they like to cruise they from they're my cruising, experience right? they they will hold if the forage is good and hide behind a rock yeah. but from my interactions with these fish is they're just on the move. It, it's, you know, mm-hmm. you're walking slowly and you're waiting to see the fish before you cast, but mm-hmm. they just swim from left to right sometimes before you can even make a cast. Um, but yeah, uh, so definition of flat, shallow water doesn't have to be hard bottom, but it helps for walking. And uh, yeah, you know, yeah. I personally don't like fishing deeper than waist, waist deep, um, right. just because it's, it's hard to keep your lineup off the water when you're casting. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to see any further than say mm-hmm. 15, 20 feet, unless you're like seven foot tall, like Ibis, um, <laughs> or, uh, you know, everyone else is kind of like, where, where, where did that fish? Um, so I try to keep Especially it, me. Yeah, <laughs> I try to keep it like knee to the thigh deep. Um, and then that way you actually have a shot at seeing the fish. The other option is, uh, you know, getting out there in your boat, um, and getting into right. slightly deeper water. And that gives you the elevated platform, uh, which, uh, I'll be offering this summer. So we'll be getting out there cool. in my, 
newly acquired like boat. Be almost like pulling the flats almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm debating putting a polling platform on it, so we'll see. <laughs> oh, this is news to me. Nice. I'm, mm-hmm. That'd be cool. I could see how, again, just given a perspective, um, like I could see how even if, you know, if I'm thinking about the types of places, um, yeah. you know, like off the top of my head, like, you know, where we went in Georgian Bay mm-hmm. or I've had some friends that have cottages on the um, eastern part of Georgian Bay, like in Point O'Barrel mm-hmm. around Perry Sound mm-hmm. and stuff like There's a lot of rocky For inlets sure. that, you know, they might not be expansive flats, but they're, you know, they're still like 500 square meters, oh, yeah. which like you take up more of a, you know. And then I'm also thinking like, oh, you know what, Prince Edward County, that area. Yeah. Full of it. Really Full great too. It. Yeah. And all of these areas, not only are they synonymous with, you know, limestone and mm-hmm. clear, clear water and bass, <laughs> But also synonymous with yuppies and stand-up paddleboards. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like I feel like from a, from you know even if you were if you didn't own your own stand-up paddleboard, a lot of these areas, if you're in Ontario or visiting Ontario, a lot of places to rent stand-up paddleboards, and that just gives you, you know, that much more mm-hmm. elevation yeah. to, to to help spot these fish or even cover water. Definitely, yeah. Paddleboards are, are a great uh, tool for accessing flats that might not you might not be able to walk yeah. to, or you know, there's a lot of the, <clears throat> the ones that I that you fish are, are going to be surrounded in private property so you can't really right. access them from shore so you might need something to get there to um, get out yeah. which is yeah. part of the reason I, I got the boat because now there's access to, to new flats basically mm-hmm. um, yeah. right away on. from you know I'm, I'm, I've been building this fishery up a little bit over the last few years and, and it's great but I just also need to make sure that I'm getting the untouched waters uh, with clients so for sure that makes yeah. a big difference but yeah, yeah, that makes sense yeah, it's awesome okay so this is cool because yeah it's sort of like the type of water I don't know I feel like a lot of anglers maybe overlook because mm-hmm. if you're fishing bass it's sort of like I'm gonna go to the weeds I'm gonna go to that shoal I'm gonna go where there's structure like I know where I'm gonna go and I know what I'm gonna do right, right. But this is sort of like you're active, you're you're looking for cruising fish. You're walking until you see a fish. Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more like that kind of thing versus like, I'm just going to go, you know. More of a hunt. Yeah, I'm not stripping 100%. a streamer through this weed bed 15 times. Yeah. Like, I'm searching. So what kind of gear does one need beyond, like, the boat? And if they're going to walk, you say stay yeah. waist deep, totally. a rod to bring, all that stuff. So, like, yeah, the boat is definitely not necessary. Um, I learned these. I have probably a dozen that I can go to just through a public park or an right. easement and, and get in the water and start going, uh, <clears throat> which is great because it keeps costs down for people. It's an, it's a, it's a, it's an activity that anybody can really do as long as you're interested in um, fishing, I should say. Um, yeah. But yeah, for, for gear that's needed, it, it's really not that special. I mean, um, there's some lines that are better suited, like there's plenty of line companies out there that manufacture lines specifically for bass. Um, you know, Rio makes their smallmouth taper, which is fantastic. Uh, you mean this one right, one right here? There. Yeah, yep. that's it. Uh, it's, it's a good line. You know, it's got a fast forward taper. Um, it's yep. a little bit loud, uh, because it's got a heavy head. So it lands kind of loud. Um, yep. but generally speaking, um, if you cast properly, you're not going to spook too many of the fish. You're going to cast beyond them anyways. Um, then, uh, you know, you've got rods. Um, when it comes to rods, I'm a big fan of a nine foot eight weight. Um, I like something a little bit heavier. Um, that, that will allow you to handle these larger than average bass. You've got no problem with a six weight catching them, but if you want to land them quick, um, keep in mind you're in shallow water. So they got nowhere to go, but up. Um, right. so the more you can horse them, the, the quicker you get them in the bag. And I do That's use good. a net for everyone because trying to lift them, can be a challenge um and you know trying to manage your rod and line and and, and your own person (laughs) and then have a fish like freaking out and trying to keep them wet so um although bass Mm -hmm. are pretty tough net's going to be high on the list that i carry with me 
Um, yeah. for, mm-hmm. for rods to go back on, um, I really like uh, saltwater specific rods, something that's a real fast taper. Um, some of the, the fa- um, uh, some of the, the dis- we're taking distance shots. Some of our casts are 60, 70 feet. Um, but keep in mind, you don't have to do that. A lot of the time you can just walk a little closer and probably not spook them. Um, yep. And I would say your average shot is somewhere in that 25 to 40 foot range. So even a beginner to intermediate caster can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but keep in mind, like you probably got a rod that'll do. Like if you're a flying angler already in Ontario and you've got a nine foot six weight, yeah, go give it, give it a shot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just to get out there and try it. Um, you don't need a lot of fancy gear to start bass fishing. Well, that's what sounds so great about it. Nine foot eight, uh, a pair of waders, get a net, you're good to go. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Nine foot yeah. eight. I'd also like, say the eight way too is yeah. not just for maybe landing the fish, but you know, you are on, right. especially if you're doing this thing in the Great Lakes, mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's not much stopping the wind. No, absolutely so you, not. You might be casting into some, some, some stronger wind. So having that for backbone sure. of an eight weight. I, I personally is, is always a good exactly. Thing. I, I mean, I personally will cancel days or reschedule days if the wind's blowing more than like 30k an hour for most casters, unless they're really experienced. Casting something with lead dumbbell eyes into a 30k headwind, you know, mm-hmm. isn't the easiest. Um, no, but uh, keep in mind too, when it's windy, you don't have the best sight fishing um, opportunities. The the chop really breaks it up. It's hard to see the fish. That's when I just actually fan cast. I like. <clears throat> You know, cast three times on like a pie shape, like 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, 2 o'clock, and then walk yep. 15 steps and do it again, right? And then until you find yep. one. Um, you, you, sight fishing is great, but sometimes it's not always an option. But yeah, eight weights, the go-to um, for me. Um, That's also, a really interesting, well, that casting presentation technique super, I mean, we'll touch more on that later. Yeah, but, but also keep but in yeah. mind, like, you, they're not the only fish out there, right? So the right. cool thing about the flats even in the salt is you never know what's going to show up so same thing in yeah. the fresh right like t- yeah. sure let's say we're targeting smallmouth but like you're going to have shots at, at tailing a predatory carp you're going to have shots at big gar you're going to have shots at northern pike we, we caught a musky last year doing this um you know like there's cool. there's like so, so cool. much to catch and never mind even freshwater drum right like there's, yeah. there's a ton of fish big channel cats we've caught um so it's like pretty cool fishery and an eight weight kind of does all of that um yeah and then I guess, you know, when it comes to reels, uh, I'm not really uh, too, with, with bass, I'm never really too worried about my reel as long as it can stand up yeah. to being submerged, um, you know, because you're probably going to drop your rod when you land a fish and want to take a picture. Um, rods yeah. tend to float tip up, so if you put your reel down, it's really cool. Like the rods will just kind of float there with the tip in the air. Uh, it's just kind of nice. Uh, your reel yeah. will anchor them to the bottom. So a seal of drag is nice just because you're going to be putting it in sediment, um, yeah. you know, if you're by yourself and things like that. Um, and, and a drag is great for when you get a carp, but not really necessary for most smallmouth because if you yeah. um, if you do this enough and you run, I guess we haven't really talked about leaders, but my leaders are redfish leaders. They, they terminate at, at 15 pound and then I use 12 pound uh, tippet, like two feet of 12 pound tippet. So I, I tend to horse them pretty good. Like I'm not giving these fish much of a break. I think the video we captured last year, there's a sequence of me hooking a fish. And like, it's a hard strip set and you just power them in. Like there's, you're not messing yeah. around. Um, yeah. Don't give them any line, just keep stripping, you know, and, and get them over to your net quick. Um, and it's, it's who loves, I mean, everyone loves a really good hard strip set and then a fish immediately jumps, like it doesn't get much better. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fun. So yeah, it, you know, your standard, you know, heavy trout uh, rod would work or your lightweight saltwater rod. Um, your bonefish setup works great too. Uh, 
There's yeah. lots of yeah. opportunities yeah. for a bonefish leader or a, or a redfish line setup would work great too. Cause it's colder water, right? And these cool water lines. Um, yeah, it's, there's so many, so many good things to use. I dig, I dig. Okay. So we know what we're looking for. We're geared up with all the right stuff, but what time, when do I go? What time oh, of year do I go? Like, what question. are the different, what are the seasons of doing this? Such a good question. I mean, the flats in general, like the great thing about bass is, is it's kind of pretty long season, right? We're, we're open from, depending on where you are in Ontario, it can be open all yeah. year even, right? Um, yeah. You know, there are bass, let's be transparent. They are considered an invasive species, like in Northern Ontario, a lot of the lakes uh, east of, uh, of Superior are all considered invasive. So they're open all year. Um, so that's always an interesting thing. Um, they're really successful species. So they, they tend to, I guess to, to backtrack a little bit, they tend to spawn in late May, early June. So in the yeah. seasons that we're about to access to, so let's talk about, you know, um, the great lakes for the Southern great lakes, Georgian Bay, like Huron and stuff, those, those lakes generally open, um, the fourth Saturday in June, um, yeah. which corresponds with most of the rest of the Southern part of the province. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, because they're very, uh, I guess, easily caught when they're in mid-spawn. Um, and if you pull a bass off of its bed um, yeah. during spawn, it's not great for that those those fry that are in there developing. Um, for sure, we've yeah. talked about gobies before, right? Those things are nest raiders. They're going to jump in and, yeah. and take take advantage by the time you unhook that fish and let it go. But yeah. um, so it's not great. So yeah, you start Gobies. targeting. They're, they're they're horrible, but like you know, they're the become like they've become like the basis of the food chain almost. Uh, right. In the great everything eats and, them and, and stuff like that. Yeah, like mm-hmm. bass love them. I love yeah. to hate them. Um, but yeah. So anyways, uh, late June uh, through mid to late July, I'd say there's about a four week window okay. where the water's cool enough uh, that they're still up shallow. Right. before they leave to deep water and by deep water they're really not going that deep it's just too hard to wade. yeah 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 so that makes sense so this is like I an found, early early summer not even summer yet this is like like you well, say like june 21st past, right so yeah, actually like yeah that's summer, early yeah, summer early, early summer late summer, spring yeah early summer yeah. into uh i guess pretty much early summer like it doesn't quite get to like end of july um, right. when and the water done, temps yeah. get above 70 degrees fahrenheit they tend to disappear i've noticed right. that so i've been taking water temperatures the last few years and once it hits about 68 69 they start taking off um, it's probably true for like all the lakes across ontario too mm-hmm. right like you know like i noticed and this is a bit of a side thing we were talking about this yesterday i think although like i noticed that in the mornings up at my family cottage lake which is up near plevna mm-hmm. the bass roll in in the morning and mm-hmm. like at, like when it's dark all night they're probably shallow mm-hmm. eating frogs and whatever as it warms up they go deeper right so right. it's like i guess that makes sense that <clears throat> in a great lake you know, the water would stay cold all day until July. And then it's yeah. like, okay, well, yeah. Yeah, it does. It, it is a, it is a big heat sink. Like the great lakes, you know, Georgian Bay is, is giant. It's like 1.5 mm-hmm. million acres or something. Like it's, it's huge. It, um, wow. it just holds the temperature. Right. So that ice out is always early April, most of the time fully, I would say. Um, but yeah. that cold water, like you'll get in there in May when we start fishing for carp and it's like, whoa, that is freezing. Um, yeah. and yeah, so those temps stay cool for a long time. They don't usually get much above 70 except for the very back portions of the bays. Um, yeah. so find that cooler yeah. water. Um, one thing I should note too, though, is because the water's cooler, that doesn't mean the bass and the season's open. That doesn't mean the bass are done spawning. So, um, 
Oh. Keep an eye out for spawning fish. If you see a fish that is like actively descending a nest, like yeah. leave it alone. Uh, at that right. time of what, year, yeah. what does that look like? It's pretty obvious. People? So like we will fish fish that are just post spawn. So they will be still in the area of nests. And when you're out there, you're going to identify them. I put photos up on my, on my Instagram before in videos about how to identify the spawning nests. Um, and they just look like dinner plate size, maybe garbage can lid size, clear areas of gravel. Um, kind of yeah. like a steelhead red, you know, when you're walking along the river and you can see yeah. the red. Um, except they tend to be more oval or like oblong shape. Uh, these are yeah. almost perfectly round. They're light colored bottom because the bass have kept it clean through spawning. And uh, generally speaking, you will see the young bass. Like it's not hard to see, you know, these half inch fry in mass, right? There's like thousands of them. Um, and then right on top of them will be a, a five pound female or, 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 a, or a two pound male sitting there guarding the nest. Um, right. So, mm-hmm. you know, keep that in mind. Um, there's been plenty of times I've been out with, you know, I'm sure there's some uh, past clients that are listening to this where we're like seeing a fish and then I'm like, no, don't, don't cast. Like, let's leave that one alone. Um, right. it's just the right thing to do. Uh, I yep. want these fish to you know, survive and, you know, do their pass on their genes. So, you know, do your best to not target spawning fish, but there's going to yep. be a lot of fish that are still in a post spawn funk. I like to call it. And they're like off yeah, the nest right. and there's no nest in the area. Yeah. We've but seen they're it like of, uh... patrolling. Like it almost mm-hmm. looks like they're like, they will come out, chase your fly, not eat it and go back to that weed mm-hmm. bed or that, like that, right. that, that wherever they were sitting, even though there's no nest there. Uh, mm-hmm. and you can throw a fly at them and change your fly and get them to chase it. And it's yeah. like, they're just still full of hormones and they're like, still like, ah, get away, but they're not yeah. actually on a nest. So sometimes you can capitalize on that, but they can be some of the hardest fish to catch. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, like, yeah, although and I and look had an at experience it. like that, Matt, sorry to interrupt, but in uh, no, Algoma, although I, that was my first experience of, right. The member of the bass it totally. was acting like it was on the red, but it wasn't. And yeah. it was very difficult to catch, although caught, mm-hmm. but <laughs> eventually. <laughs> I seem to remember the day we went out, Yoma, where you showed up and I said, oh, I've been working this fish over there for a bit, couldn't get it to go. And you go over, mm-hmm. you're like, can I use a popper? I'm like, no, oh, you're not going to take a popper. And <laughs> yeah. you're like, very first cast, the thing smokes a popper. And, 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 <laughs> and like, I'm That's like sick. sitting there starstruck and then you strip set and it breaks off. And we're like yeah. all standing there like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> uh and this bass is like jumping, jumping, jumping and throws the yeah. popper eventually. And it was just yeah, like, yeah. holy cow, <laughs> that was insane. That, that happened twice, I think. Did, like you, yeah. you, you you got two to rise on a popper, popper which was yeah. pretty awesome. Maybe we'll get into our, our day a little bit longer. But there were some things I wanted to unpack from totally. what you just said, Matt. Sure, you go for it. First thing first, you mentioned that like, oh, there's a two-pound male and a, or a five-pound female. Yeah. Um, and excuse any squeaky toys you hear. <laughs> that is my puppy eating toys. There you go. Um. But uh, do you find that the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Frankie? Awesome. Do you find typically like pike, like uh, with pike, um, the females tend to be larger than the males? Yeah, the same thing with that. And, and not just because they're full of eggs or or whatever. You yeah, know. no, they, the the females are are much bigger. You know, right. they they tend to be the ones that. I mean, that's just what science tells us right now. Um, there are big males out there. Don't get me wrong, but I think. You know, most males kind of peak out around that 17-inch, 18-inch mark. Those those 20-inch cool. fish, plus-inch fish, you know, our biggest one last year was 23. They're, they're wow. females. Those things are, you know, at this time of year, they're post-spawn, so they're kind of not skinny, but they're not, like, loaded with eggs, and they're not October fat with bait fish, right? So right. they're probably, like, a right. 20-inch fish is probably going to weigh more, like, four and a half to five pounds versus, like, 
you know, October, that fish is probably right. six and a half pounds. Um, yeah, or bigger. totally. But yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. Yeah. They're generally, uh, the bigger ones are generally females. So, and there's cool. big thing about bass is people harvest them too, right? Like it's a fish that I'm sure we've all mm-hmm. seen on stringers, right? It's not like you go to a, a, a wild trout river and you see too many fish, hopefully on stringers. Most people know to let them go. Um, yeah. but you know, everything has exceptions. I've seen that. Um, but bass, it, it's funny, like you, you go down to walk a break wall, go to, I don't know, anywhere, anywhere, any lake, you've probably seen bass in someone's bucket. And, and I often cringe because a lot of the time, those big fish, people don't realize how actually old they are. Like there's yeah. studies out there showing that the average age of smallmouth when they get to full potential is over 20 years old. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like getting to 18, 19 is nothing. When you think of a brown trout, you know, like an old one's eight years old. Like that's really yeah. a brook trout. An old one's like three years old. Right, like yeah. it's it's crazy. So bass live a very long time. That's also why they're that, so successful. Right. That is so cool and crazy. And I, I remember I learned that when I was like twenty, and I was mm-hmm. I caught a bass that was like it was a big bass, probably mm-hmm. like five. I think it was five, five and a half. I actually think I weighed it. Yes. And uh, I realized I was like 20 and I was like, this bass is as old as me. <laughs> I was exactly. Like, my head was exploding. I was like, that's crazy, man. It's, it's so trippy. <laughs> absolutely wild. So they get a lot yeah. of, you know, shade thrown their way, but man, they are a resilient species um, yeah. that, are, that are just so old. So yeah, what cool. I'm saying is don't eat them because they're old is don't eat them because they're full of contaminants. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, for real. You know, like... Those fish yeah. spend 20 years eating bait fish and bottom feeding fish like gobies, which are just like full of heavy metals. So yeah. eating a 20 inch smallmouth, that's like eating a, probably a tire weight or something in lead. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But also, you know, they're spawner fish, right? They're spawners. Like, let them, so let them do know, their thing. And, and, yeah. and nothing wrong with harvesting fish. I don't want to be that person. Like, you know, keep, keep bass. They actually, a smallmouth in cold water tastes great. Um, you know, uh, just uh, try to yeah. try to keep those smaller ones, the ones that, you know, they're not 20 inches passing on awesome genetic material. Um, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's my last, that's my little, probably the last time I'll talk Ooh. about ethics. <laughs> Whoa. What is that? Aldo? Second, second question I had was, uh, as Frankie gnaws on my hand. Um, <laughs> second question I have is from what we were talking about before, you know, you're saying about 70 degrees, mm-hmm. you start seeing them move off the flat. Is there an ideal temperature range where you're like, Oh baby, the water is, x it's gonna be on you know like is there a temperature that you that really like gets you excited like you know so they say i know there's definitely temperatures in trout that make us excited so yeah for sure for sure um it it can be that way it's more i think like day-to-day conditions weather wind sunlight cloud cover uh that kind of stuff that i get excited about but temperature range i mean they from research i've done um from uh you know just doing it myself or things that I remember looking through my books in, in, in school, um, in, in college when I studied some studied fisheries, bass tend to spawn at like 62 to 63 degrees Fahrenheit. Um, so okay. I get excited around 65. I know most of the fish are done spawning at that point. Um, and, uh, and they're, they're freaking hungry, right? Like they've gone mm-hmm. a good long time without eating, just like other fish. They don't actively eat while they're spawning. They will yeah. eat things. They will take gobies and crush them. But I've seen them just like more along the way lines of pushing them, just like get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. It's not like they're actively opening their mouth on them unless something happens to sit still, like someone's poorly cast carp fly that lands on a bass bed. Um, They will get picked up immediately. Uh, And a lot of them will be picked up and just moved. If you don't set the hook, they'll pick it up and then just go drop it, which is kind of great. 
I guess this is another thing that makes it so special, right? Like it's a fleeting moment mm-hmm. in our season. Like it's it's also you know the kickoff to our to to our past season yep. in many ways. Like you know you can that's something you can really start getting excited about. Is like oh I can you know it's post spawn. Um, it's not quite the you know the heat of the summer yet, but it's probably still pretty hot. Like with the day we were yeah the scorcher. Yeah, the, it's, scorcher. it's crazy because the air temps can be in the 30s, but your legs are freezing. Right? <laughs> and yeah. and mm-hmm. like wearing waders is definitely definitely key. Uh, definitely. <laughs> you definitely don't want to wet waders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely not. Um, not in Georgian Bay anyway. No. Like it's cold. There are, I, I mean, feel like, shallow, yeah, even though Matt not, did we were, last time. <laughs> yeah, I did last time. I got good calf sunburns though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the more you learn about fishing or the better you get at it, your your year, your season is broken up more and more into those like weeks. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. so true. Where it's like, I got two weeks for this very specific bass. I have, I've got two weeks for this bug and always, then a month of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I always have this conversation. It's come up more than once with our, our mutual friend, Nick, uh, Nick Roman. Um, yeah. Where it's funny, like there's always... <laughs> another season and 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 it's like right when you're telling your wife <laughs> or your partner that like okay i just got to get out the season closes yeah. this week yeah but yeah. there's another one coming <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's always another one right you're like yeah which which uh, season it's it's <laughs> countless like it's endless i, I started awesome. freaking fishing in february last year for steelhead and it's end of january now so it's all year up here right now uh yeah, it's it's yeah. never ending but yeah it, it is like you said mitch like there's the shallow water bass season there's the yeah. you know get out in the boat bass season then the rivers yeah. really start to heat up in august right and like yeah, the river exactly. bass kick off and then and then and then there's poppers and lily pad season exactly. like yeah. it's you know it's all it's it's wicked you love bass it, I, yeah. I love them they're such I a great it. species and yeah. i mean Yilma, like, that day oh sorry oh they're like the most popular sport fish in North America, right? Like yeah. freshwater yeah. sport fish, I should say. So yep. I don't know why, I'm, I mean, more and more people are becoming, you know, fly curious with it, right? Like, oh, okay, this is yep. actually fun. But I've had days when we're out steelheading in October with clients that I've mm-hmm. had to, you know, we're having not a tough day, but we've had a couple of fish on or whatever. And we're rowing between spots and I'm rowing past a log jam. And I'm like, take this clouser and throw it in there. And like, <laughs> no, I only want steelhead. And I'm like, why? Like, and then eventually I'm like, yeah, sure. There's steelhead here. They're going to take this closet. And then like a 20 inch smallmouth eats their fly. And they're like, huh, yeah. those things fight pretty good. I'm like, yeah, they're, yeah. They're yeah. fantastic fish. Yeah. They're fun. So, yeah. Especially when they're that big. Exactly. So I'm yeah. slowly transitioning more people. To it. Yeah. yeah. I dig it. You know, that day out, how were you geared up? Like what was your weight under waiter scenario? How did you stay warm and also co- cool at the same time? Um, well, staying cool for Yilma is not hard at all. Yeah. Oh! <laughs> cool as hell. He showed up like two hours late Thank you and very just much. like comes out and smacks a fish right away. And it was yeah. like, this guy's pretty cool. Later losers. <laughs> Later Skateboards <is>. away. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did get skateboards away. <laughs> he did get the late part. I love it. Um, yeah. yeah. I show I I honestly well I had two, you know my full Patagonia waders and then I had um my puffy and then I had two or just a dry fit um 
long sleeve underneath. So then when it got warmer, I mm. took off my puffy and then I had that on. There you go. Yeah. And I just put it in my backpack, my Eddie backpack, and that was it. And I'm not yeah. saying the the names of these things because we're sponsored by any of them. I just, you know. Just <laughs> <laughs> we're actually not sponsored by any of them. We're not sponsored by yeah. any of so. them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hit us up. Our sponsors right now are like, great, thanks guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, did you wear, did you wear like, uh, I think I remember having wool tights yeah. on underneath. I, what were you like the, my smart wools me no I did, which them? was great at the beginning of the day <laughs> yeah. and not so great by the afternoon no, I, 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 yeah, that's right. I, I just did i just did give me the smart wool no i had my compression tights on <laughs> from that yeah <laughs> so that's why i think that's something tights are important. because it's funny right because like in the morning you know it is a bit like i'm chilly is the wrong mm-hmm. word but yeah. when you cool. when you match that yeah. with cooler water it just naturally keeps you cooler so yeah yeah, if you have a backpack or or something to keep stuff in, I think uh, that would be a recommendation. Yeah, definitely. Of mine. But it's also it's funny I say that because on the other hand, this can be a very simplistic outing. Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> it could be a box of flies in your pocket yeah. and a water bottle. And I've done and, that before in July, and it's that's it. Hot you know? in a waterproof fly yeah. box, and away you go. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. totally doable. Uh, yeah. Also, keep in mind like you don't need to be out there for dawn patrol all the time, and like I don't think we started that early. Um, you know, you're not starting at sunrise in late June is like 4.50 around here or something, right? 5 a.m. So, like, you don't have to be out there. And you need sun to be able to see. <laughs> so, like, nice. getting yeah. out there at 9 a.m. Is, is or later. Like, there's been plenty of days I've started at 11. Um, and you right. have high sun. And you can see everywhere. Um, so, keep that in mind. You can, you know, have somewhere to store your layers or just go out when you're comfortable. It's um, Okay, so, okay, so we found the flat. Mm-hmm. We're geared up with the right stuff. It's the perfect time of year. And we're out at the right time. Yep. We know not to look for bass on the reds. We know mm-hmm. what that looks like. Mm-hmm. What are we're, I'm walking into the water? What am I looking for? What does structure look like, and awesome. how do I spot a cruising smallmouth? Awesome. How do I find that. So the great thing is we're fishing limestone flats, which tends to be a light colored bottom. So <clears throat> the fish will come in one of two shades. It seems there'll be a green colored, almost sand colored bass, which is like a frequency in a bonefish. They're so hard to see. Yeah, they're camouflage. They blend right in, and you'll just see. On all, um, well, I guess I should say the other color uh, you will see in the larger fish, especially the big females, they will be dark. Uh, they will be a big, right. almost like a black drum. Like they're they're really dark and they stand out. So those ones are easy to see. But one thing they both have, um, no matter their size and and color phase, is a black trailing edge on their tail. So yeah. like the last half inch of their tail, it follows that angular mark, is always dark. And you can see that quite yeah. well if you just kind of slow down. Um, what I like to do, so to, you know, let's start. I got out in the water. We're looking for good structure. I'm looking for hard bottom with variations to it. So some chunk rock, some boulders, some bulrushes, some sand. And we're going to get out into about calf deep water. We're going to stop and we're going to look left to right a couple times. And then we're going to take five steps. And then we're going to look left to right a couple times and hopefully see one before they see us. Um, the great thing about smallies, as long as you don't drag your feet, you can get pretty close to them before you actually spook them. 20 feet is totally doable. Um, so you're walking along, right? And, oh, okay, we see one. There's one fish, in, one sitting at 50 feet away. You can't quite make that cast. That's pretty standard. We can, I, I'll take the time with my client to point out what I'm looking for. And this is where if you're working with someone, someone that's taller or someone you're just out there with, try to landmark the fish. So you'll be like, see that bulrush? 
see six feet at three o'clock and then go over and oh there it is right. yeah i see it okay and like i think i've heard you say before um aldo is i think might have been something prince said like you must see the fish like you or something yeah. like that <laughs> like i've said that yeah. every time since like you have to see it before you cast like don't just tell me you've seen it and then just start casting because your fly's gonna land right on top of it and spook it so let's, spook it, yeah. let's work together to actually see the fish so once you see one big thing identify the head um, if you're casting at a fish's tail, it's never it a good matter, thing. Yeah. It, the, it's behind yeah. the fish, right? Um, yeah. So figure out which way they're facing the best you can. And then super important is you don't plop the fly bang on their head. We're, we're only in a foot and a half to two feet of water. So um, uh, I like to cast pretty far beyond them, maybe a liter length. So, you know, nine feet or so, because that way um, my leader is nine foot plus three feet of tippet. So I've got 12 foot leader generally. Um, I've got my fly line on my side of the fish and my fly beyond them. And at no point is the fly line slapping the water on top of them. That's pretty important. Um, and then it all starts from there. So you're going to read the fish. You're going to like, okay, what happened? Fly hit the water. Is it moving? Is it going for it? Often they'll shoot right for it. Right. And just slow Mm -hmm. strip until you get tension and then strip set or watch for the eat. Um, let me know if I'm getting carried away here and going too fast or anything too. No, 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 please. So articulate, man. Uh, (laughs) Well, thank you. Um, (laughs) I try, I try. Uh, so if, if you watch the fish's body language, that's super important. Hmm. If the fish doesn't move on it right away, the first thing I'm going to do, uh, is, is usually start slow. I don't want to rip a fly past that fish and risk spooking it. Like if we're talking about, only casting when you see fish. That's usually what I, I'm doing bass fishing. You mm-hmm. might only get, let's say, two to three casts per fish you see, and we might yeah. only see 30 fish, right? So you might yeah. only make 90 casts in a day. So, Which make, is kind of part of the allure of this type of fishing. Like it's yeah. sight fishing. You're Ex- looking for the fish, exactly. and you're like, here's the fish. Let's make, let's do this. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So you, you know? don't yeah. want to just make a crapshoot of a cast and hope and pray. Yeah. Like if you're not a, um, an experienced sight caster, which I would say 80% of my clients aren't, we're going to start in the shallow water. I'm going to place a rock in the water and we're going to practice casting at that before we even get into where the fish are. So well, it just makes me think of how many fish I've spooked over the years, mm-hmm. like not seeing, like not sight fishing on like lakes but and just a, like a great way to learn casting. You know, I'm just like, man, I probably scared like every fish. You know, you know and, what I mean? and it's only realistic when you can do it on the right cover because if it's weedy back bait yeah. and stuff, there's no way you're doing it. You're just going to cover water. But in exactly, these areas yeah. where you can see them, and the population density isn't that heavy. Like it's not like there's bass everywhere, right? There's, yeah. I don't know how many square meters each fish needs, but um, it's pretty yeah. significant. Like, you know, you might only get, you might see thirty fish in a day. You're not going to catch everyone, yeah. but you're going to get usually a couple casts. So your first cast should be slow. Um, a fly that I always like to start out with. Okay, well, one of three flies I like to start with. Um, one here. Uh, called the uh, the creeper. Uh, ooh, did you, where are we? There we go. It's like ooh. the rubber legged jig of the conventional yeah. world, um, but ooh. in a fly, right? So I like that. Uh, this one's in a in a perch pattern. Um, there's that individual I follow online. I'm sure lots of us do. Is his Instagram is Sven Diesel, and he yeah. is a wicked tire. And he came up with this fly pattern. That's cool. Um, and I asked him questions about it. And he was so gracious to help me out with it. We can't get the, the creeper chenille material here, or at least I haven't been able to. So I use a body of ice yeah. dub. 
but it also mm. looks really good and it works very well. So I'll start yeah. often with this fly because if you let it sink to the bottom and hop it along the bottom, it's a crayfish. You strip it slowly along the bottom, it's a goby. You strip it fast, it's a bait fish, right? You can like cover the water with one fly. And think about how totally. effective like in conventional fishing a spinnerbait is, right? Like that's yeah, one exactly. of the lures everyone's probably thrown and that's what this can be. But it can yeah. also be a tube jig. It can be, you know, a drop shot bait. It can be anything. Yeah. So right. you can fish it in so many different ways yeah. to mimic different life. Yeah. And like it's perch cool. pattern or crayfish pattern or just even like all white like this one, just like a bait fish pattern. Ooh. Deadly. Uh, the white's great because <laughs> you can, anybody can see it. Um, <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> uh, even someone who's not used to sight fishing, they can see this fly. And when they see it yeah. disappear, they know they got a strike. Um, right, because right. it's so bright white. Key. So that's like a white, similar pattern, but bright white. It's exact same pattern, just white with chartreuse right. eyes, chartreuse okay, eyes, yeah. yeah. But lead eyes, yeah. brass eyes, BJ, whatever you want. Um, but anyways, yeah, so I digress again. Um, you cast beyond that fish, say a leader length. Yeah. You let that fly hit bottom. Let's say that fish uh, didn't do anything. It just sat yeah. where it is, hasn't, hasn't moved. Okay, yeah. so hopefully our cast has been lined up a prop uh, to allow the fly to work towards the fish. Um, yep. and they'll come within, I would say mm. two feet of the fish. Um, we don't need it to get six inches away from them. They've got about a one meter zone. I think if you can get within that, they're going to probably come and look at it. Yeah. And I'm going to do just a nice slow strip, six inch strip, like let it hit bottom cast, no reaction, let the fly hit bottom. And then a nice six inch strip with like <clears throat> a half second pause. It's not a quick strip. It's not a slow strip, but you're keeping it along that bottom. It's just bouncing off the rocks, ticking all that yeah. kind of good yeah. stuff. It's really stuff. hard at this point because you're going to see these fish react. And just like popper fishing, a lot of people pull the popper out of the water with a trout set. Um, yeah. You have to feel the fish too. So you have to see the fish before you cast and you have to feel the weight of the fish before you strip set. And strip set is the only way to do it. Uh, uh, the, right. the fly will hit a rock maybe and you might get tension. Give it a 12 inch strip set or strip. You know, that can be your strip set. A strip set doesn't need to be a three foot pull with your arm. It can be just a 12 inch sharp tug. And if right, it wasn't especially the, for these fish, right? Yeah, they've got a really hookable mouth, right? If that's a word, yeah. hookable, I don't know. but Very you know, hookable. Very it's hookable. hookable. <laughs> it's a hookable mouth. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, no. it's easy. Um, Tarp, tarpon, not, not so much. So much. Yeah. Like, Smallmouth bass, yeah. very hookable. If they eat it, it's, you're going to get them hooked. Um, so I give it a 12-inch yeah. strip. Oh, it's a rock. That's okay. You know, Give it a couple pops, it'll pop off. Keep swimming right. that fly towards them, nothing happens. It goes right past that fish, doesn't even move. Okay. Maybe try that cast again from a different angle. Maybe just change your angle, you know, walk around in a circle slowly, watching the body language of the fish again. Nothing happens. Make another cast. Let's try a faster strip. Cast it. Don't even give it time. Just strip, 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 strip. And that'll often, if one won't take it on the slow strip, they'll come after it when it's moving. It's that cat and mouse kind of reaction we're looking for. Um, mm -hmm. And they'll chase it. And don't be surprised if that bass comes after it and is like ready to kiss it and then just moves away. And then it moves back to that rock it was holding on or something like that. And then right. I think um, we saw it the day we were out. Before you showed up, uh, Yoma, I, I ended up throwing like four different fly patterns at a fish with Aldo was on the camera near me. And I eventually got Yeah, that, it was pretty cool. Like it was just change it up, change it up. And I eventually got him to oh. eat this little sculpin right here. That's like, right. This little, brown, yeah, 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 yeah. little brown sculpin. That's small. Right? Like we're talking an inch and a half, two inches. Um, Bring it up a little bit, cloud. There we go, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a small fly, and it's just got the kind of sculpin head. Sculpin head. A little bit of uh, rabbit zonker. Rabbit? Yeah, rabbit zonker, yeah, zonker. Calf tail under the belly for the white belly. Um, yeah. Rubber legs. A very, you know. a very brown fly. Very brown. Brown, brown match, you know, brown, olive, tan. Those are kind of the colors we're looking for for gobies. Yeah, right. Um, and, yeah, I, I threw a crayfish at it. I threw the... the 
uh, clouds are at it and nothing. They wouldn't take it. And then I threw this at it and it was the first time it hit bottom and I stripped it once and wow. the fish pounced on it. Um, so yeah, change it up. You Funny know, that's kind of yeah. the way I do it. So yeah, you just kind of keep walking. Um, don't get carried away with walking and casting. People love to do that. You're just going to spook yeah. fish. You're, you're, yeah. you're going to walk and you're going to place a cast on top of one and you didn't even see it. Good point. So just take yeah. five steps, stop, scan. If you don't see look. anything, eh, take a couple casts, you know, but like make True. sure you look first. Because bass, like you mentioned, they will cruise. So sometimes your fly just happens to be in the water as one's moving by and that vibration right. of those rubber legs or the lead eyes ticking the bottom mm-hmm. will bring one well, in yeah. from a far distance. Like like an angler fishing a spinnerbait or a crankbait, bass will come from a distance to eat, uh, especially mm-hmm. if they're cruising. So. Yes. Well, that's what most people, that's how most people Excuse fish me. bass, yeah. you know, you just cast and, and wait, yeah. you know, you reel you and you hope you cast cover water. Yeah. True. yeah. And that's where you have to break that habit with this. It's casting, yeah. watching, really getting Watch, in tune yeah. with your environment and making sure you're aware of what's going on. Makes sense. Makes yeah. Sense. I feel um, like cool. So yeah, that's kind of the way I approach the situation. Yeah. Now you say obviously strip set is the yeah. only way to go because if you lift that rod tip and set the hook that way, you're because of the leverage, you're that hook's coming right out. It's not uh, gonna stick, right? Two reasons. Yeah, that can be one of them. Often your fly yeah. line is sunk a little bit, even with a floating fly line, the heavy flies will right. get it down. So then you're lifting and you don't get a lot of pressure to the fly. You get pressure on the line and the angle isn't good. Right. And you can either apply too much pressure. Most of the time, it's not enough pressure, uh, and it just kind of bounces off their lip. But the main reason is these things are notorious nippers at flies. So they'll grab the trailing part of your fly. And if yeah. you trout set, generally speaking, when you trout set, that fly is ending up a line distance behind you, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a cast. It's your back cast. So yeah. strip set, that fly is only shooting forward a foot, two feet, and often All right. they'll pounce back on it. Like they'll rush for it. And um, oh, yeah. you might get a second shot. That's you know that's that's so cool. I never thought of that. One hundred one saltwater flats fishing, like strip set, because a bonefish will take mm-hmm. it three or four times before you get it. Sometimes that's that's the reason for the strip. Yeah, set, is because and you it's a second shot at hooking the fish. Exactly. You you won't pull it away from them. There's, it might just be like oh it you just keep you just keep stripping, keep stripping. Right? And, and you, you feel like a little tug, and, and just, then exactly. sooner or later you're just gonna yeah. get. And you're going to get the connection. I always thought it was just like a leverage thing. It, it is that when, especially so the sinking lines, like when you're using a sinking yeah. line in 20 feet of water, if you lift vertically on that, you're not doing anything to the fly. There's nothing's happening. To, like the fly's not moving. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. But like, just like they do in the salt, if people are, when I say, okay, set, um, and they trout set, it's more like strip, 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 long strip, boom, fish on, you know, like yeah, cool. tell them to long strip. Okay. I'm going to lo- strip two feet. Boom. Fish is hooked. Um, same kind mm-hmm. of scenario. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause setting, saying mm-hmm. set to trout anglers, always tells them to lift yeah um, and yeah, the fly yeah, exactly. ends up behind them or in my forehead or something like that uh, <laughs> well like everybody like that's how we yeah. all learn to set the hook yeah, you know exactly. you just launch it towards the sky <laughs> exactly and it's like yeah with yeah, the fly masters classic yeah. like Lift it up. <laughs> ripping the yeah, head off it's of not the nine, <laughs> nine treble hooks in your exactly with yeah with with a fly line doesn't really work that way no. with certain fish right exactly so, yeah, makes sense yeah for sure that's it yeah cool um we did just talk about sinking lines and strips. Yeah. It, do you ever, would you ever, I mean, again, you're, you're on about a 12 foot leader. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and you so, are not in very deep water, but is a sink tip ever or no, like a I don't use sink intermediate, tips, but an intermediate line? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Intermediate line can be killer because like they're often clear, yeah. uh, for spooky fish, uh, intermediate line right. doesn't show to the fish the same way a bright yellow tip or something can, um, mm-hmm. excuse me. <laughs> um, I don't have a cough button over here. I got to get that. Going. <laughs> um, 
The uh, yeah, so intermediate line can be good. Um, most of the time, floating lines are sufficient in water shallower than four feet for anything. Um, yeah. You know, your fly will get down to the depth it needs to be. Um, sinking lines definitely. Um, if you're fishing later in the season, fishing from a boat, you know, fishing in twenty feet of water, you got to get down. Um, type eight lines, type seven lines, like you know, six inches per second sink rate, like. You know, uh, mm-hmm. count those flies down. But uh, on the flats, no, I don't use a sinking line too much. With the exception of a style of fishing I'm working on that I haven't fully developed, but it worked really good. And, and I don't know how much I can talk about it yet. Uh, but it involves, if you think of booby style fishing for rainbow trout in like a pond, we're using a floating fly yeah. and a sinking yep. line. Same kind of scenario, mm-hmm. but for bass. And it's to imitate bait fishing ah. crayfish. It's spinoffs on, uh, <laughs> on the booby kind of. But also mixing it with a crankbait esque crayfish. It's yeah. crazy, but it works so good. And uh, I'll, I'll be sure. I mean, when you think about, about you know, if we think about back to our Rapala days, mm-hmm. you know, you get those ones that I can't remember what they're called, but like, you know, and you've got your Rapala and they, it lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's floating. floating when you start the retrieve. Yeah, crankbait. It dives. Yeah. It dives. Yeah, crankbait. Yeah. 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 Crankbait. So, yeah. Yeah, I could see. So, I, uh, yeah. You it's know, pretty cool. Like, you can yeah. also you can also do that with like deer hair bugs, like this one here. It's a fly um, that I've taken a spin off on like a loose thread there um, on the Dalberg diver kind of. Uh, if you look at the head, mm. it's kind of similar, but it's more rounded instead of just like a diver head. Um, this yeah. fly, I actually, if you look on the bend of the hook when I invert it and pull it away, I don't know if you can see that, but there's a ton of lead yeah. wire wrapped around the shank there. Yeah. Um, yeah. and that maybe lift it just a little bit just for the camera lift it up here and for everybody Back. on youtube yeah lots of lead wire it? coming right over yeah the hook oh bend. yeah we can yeah. see okay. it yeah. so that lead wire is there to allow the fly um to have a lower center of gravity so when you strip it it goes yeah. like across and then it rolls and then comes back because the lead wire is going to cause a weight disrupt when you stop your strip same thing guys do in trout flies like big articulated trout flies or musky flies it comes, darts, mm-hmm. and then rolls, and it flashes that orange belly or white belly at the fish, mm-hmm. which really shows like, hey, I'm injured. Come eat me. And I fish this fly. Right. Even though it's got lead wire, it still floats with all that deer hair uh, slowly, mind you, on a sinking line because then that replicates a suspending type of lure. I can hold that fly right in their face. The fly line will be on the bottom, and then this is a foot or two off the bottom just flashing as it strips through the, through the, uh, mm-hmm. through the, through the water. Um, yeah. and this is deadly because it's not quite a Dalberg diver, just the way it's shaped. It's, it's also got a rabbit strip tail and marabou and it's completely right. different, but it is deer hair and it's trimmed with, you know, that yeah. kind of shape. Best looks like a sucker it. or something. Yeah. Yeah, color yeah, wise. yeah. This is uh, a gray and white kind of represent anything kind of bait fish. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah. I also tie them in like perch pattern, bluegill pattern. Like they're, they're all good. Um, Matt, remember, yeah. uh, oh my God. Although remind me the name of the gentleman who won the contest. Um, Maro, right? Maro. Yeah, oh, on the river. The yeah, yeah. first annual Squirmy Wormy Derby. So, yeah. <laughs> winner. Oh, and perfect. Yeah. My camera. Oh, there we go. So, remember oh, this? Um, remember this fly? It has yes, something. Sir. It does something similar, right? You know, you have to. It kind of. Kind of, yeah. You know, you it, remember what it, it's called? I don't remember what it called. What it's called, but it emerges <laughs> and it stay. It stays uh, suspending in the water. Remember. It's uh, it's called the Drunken Disorderly by Tommy Wrench. Drunken Rich, uh, Disorderly, yes. Yeah. Um, it is to replicate the action of a crankbait or a rapala with a diving lip fished on a sinking line. Yeah, and it has a crazy wide wobble because it's articulated. Uh, and he smacked right. a couple monsters on it. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. they didn't make it to the boat. But um, 
Yeah, it's a good fly. It's unfortunately uh, for me about a one hour tie. <laughs> so I'm not using it too often. Really? It's got a lot of Because it's just like what so many different materials. Yeah, and like, what, an what, hour, is this, what makes this minutes. fly up? Um, what is this fly? Like if for people listening, what is like explain, was, Yoma, explain the. Yeah, go for it, Yoma. No, Matt, explain. Trust me. <laughs> Matt, take it away, baby. <laughs> um, if I remember right, it was designed for big buck nasty browns um and, okay uh, it looks like a buck nasty yeah brown and it's articulated yeah. it's got tons of different material in there polar chenille and it's got that flat and flat the big thing the biggest feature of it is the the forward hook on it and how the hook is bent 30 to 60 degrees depending on which diving or wobble uh-huh. you want uh and then it's spun mm. to her head and it's shaped like a shovel and it just dives and wobbles and it's great um it's a, cool. it's a tricky tie it's got a lot of moving parts but it's a good one yeah, yeah. for sure big streamer yeah cool i can dig it yeah yeah i mean it's cool that uh yeah i was saying like that that persistence kind of paying mm-hmm. off that one on that one fish that you you were working for quite some time and you know to your point yeah like, change it up if you don't if you don't spook it and you do find something they you know key in on totally you got a few chances. This, this isn't like a, a super scary permit or anything, right? So no, yeah, yeah you and you yeah. have other shots too. Like keep that in mind. Yeah, it's it's not yeah. one fish you're going to see in a day. Most days, you're going to see quite a few. No, definitely. definitely. Yeah. So fly wise, it's like bring a selection because, yeah. like you say, you want to rotate through a whole sure. bunch. Yeah, you I mean, make uh, sure. the good old standard Clauser minnow, uh, chartreuse yep. over white. You can't really go wrong. I always throw peacock curl on the top. A uh, little added flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the way that yeah. looks. Um, I actually got some, hopefully they're coming on the way. Actually, I reached out to Bob Clouser on, on Instagram. He actually responded and uh, oh, I'm nice. getting some of t- his Clousers tied by him, uh, which is pretty oh, nice. cool. I'm not going to fish them, um, but uh, but yeah, it's kind of cool. They're going to sit on my desk. Um, but then oh, even yeah. just like uh, a, marabou, awesome. a marabou leech, like this is really simple, kind of regular marabou at the back, like a bully bugger, then palmered marabou at the top. Uh, I can remember one client last year where we had a killer day. And he had this one fish, though, that just wouldn't take anything. And it happened to be, I think, our, my biggest fish of the season at, like, 23 inches. And yeah. it came out three or four times, wouldn't eat. It threw this silly black little leech at it, and it came out and just engulfed it. I'm telling you, man, um, black marabou leeches are like, the goats. They're, they're really Like, good. the best fly in the world. <laughs> they're a catch anyway. I love those the the world. Anyway, but rubber like That's what I got my too. first fish on, was oh, that. Oh, really? Was a black oh. marabou leech, yeah. yeah. And now they're using they look like, at, it, They're alive in yeah. the water. It's crazy. Heck, now it's true. Marabou's them, always amazing. They're even using yeah. them for Atlantic salmon now out on the East Coast. Like, they've gotten away from some traditional wow. flies, and they're fishing leech flies, which is just this, basically. Um, yeah. I dig it. And then poppers. You know, Yoma proved point there that, you know, like, they will take surface <laughs> flies, um, even oh, when yeah. I say they won't. Um, and, uh, yeah, they, they take them with reckless abandon sometimes. So a small popper, though, uh, don't need anything huge. You have those smaller ones on the top there or bottom. Uh, those look great. Great size. Okay, yeah, that's not a huge eat. popper. That's, like, a pretty small popper. It's, like, yeah. something I would think like I would use for, like, rock bass yeah, or exactly. something. I think the one he got it was that one, but chartreuse. Yeah, right? it was. Like, yeah. frog covered or yeah. something. Exactly. Yeah, Good memory, I like, the, I like the diver style of poppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah the diver. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get a little bit more swimmy, swimmy action. Yeah, get that, that totally. nice bulge of water that I that I really like. like a mouse totally. trying to swim. Yeah, you can swim them too. Yeah. Good point, Mitch. Fish that on a sinking line. It's great. It's basically the exact yeah, same so thing f- that this is, right? So, uh, yeah. right, same kind of head shape and everything. But yeah, so that's that's kind of the approach for when I see a fish, and then it's all about you know the the strip set and fight it out. You know, fight them hard. Don't give them. Don't rest them. Just keep stripping uh, bend that rod to the cork um 
You know, the, you're running 12 pound test the tip. We're probably not going to break off too many, uh, unless you're yeah. Yoma. Um, yeah, unless you're me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't break off too many all year, and you go and break off like three that day. I don't know yeah. what was going on. Right. Uh, break off a lot of fish, Yoma. Yeah. That day. <laughs> Maybe. 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 Um, he was excited. He was, he was so, so excited. excited. You were strip set. I was like, yeah. ah, fuck uh, it. Like, great. <laughs> but, but once you get him hooked, keep him tight. Yeah. Keep that rod bent. I see a lot of people trying to fight him. Like, I always say fight him. Like, they're fighting like a trout. Like, they're enjoying the fight and angling and they're right. like taking the pressure off them. Like, bend that rod. These fish love to jump. And I fish barbless hooks a lot of the time with lead eyes and they're going to throw them. So mm-hmm. keep him tight. Yeah. Get him in the net. There you go. Um, you don't need to fish barbless by any means, but I do just because I get hooked a lot. So, um, right, not by go. myself, but people I fish with. Uh, sometimes when we're talking about hands of the clock, people get them backwards. <laughs> Peg me with I definitely closet. did that on my most recent trip. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's like, "What is one o'clock?" I was like, "Oh, right, it's this <laughs> point at six. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Prince. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. um. <laughs> Yeah, I think, the other, yeah, that 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 day was super cool because we, you know, we saw a few and like to your point, Matt, bass aren't the only thing you see out there. I mean, no, yeah, not that I want to divert too much from the bass talk, but no, I talk mean, about it is it. cool, it's cool running into carp and drum and what we, gar. And, we literally showed up. You got a nice and large mouth. Got a great guy that day. At large mouth. <laughs> we we walked out on the flat and literally in the first what. Ten minutes, there was like tailing carp cruising on the flat. It was that like, was cool. That looked that was eerily. Redfish like, and they were right. they That's were cool. chasing gobies. Like they weren't spawning fish. Like a lot of people will be like, "Oh, it's spawning carp when they're up shallow splashing," which is true if you see them in May usually. But when it's like early July, or we were there mid July. Yeah, they were they were pushing gobies around. Like that's so cool. That's cool, man. Carp chasing after gobies. So that's cool. you throw those same goby flies at them, or black leeches, or like they're predatory. Yeah. They're not yeah. just like a standard yeah. park pond carp these these things get big like they're 30 pounds and they're up there with the bass too so the only thing is they're much spookier than the bass and way harder to catch yeah um, they're kind of the permit of the water kind of even for the sure. first yeah. year we for went sure. out like two years ago to fish for carp i think like we showed up there was carp everywhere and then we quickly spooked them all um and then mm-hmm. they were gone like you know yeah. i guess it probably didn't help that there was four people throwing flies at everything that moved um <laughs> <laughs> but we hooked we got one and then unfortunately we forgot our net and we didn't get it in but uh but still yeah, yeah don't beat yourself up with carp i have so many people message me just can't catch one i'm like welcome to carp fishing like yeah yeah it's, it's just the way it is yeah so they're just cool by catch i mean it was for uh, another side of what throwing the drone up was like yeah there were a ton of carp mm-hmm. oh yeah i was like the... oh there's a pod oh yeah. there's another pod there's another pod oh there's what? a single there's two i was like oh there's a fucking shit exactly you can see them all while with the drone yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool it was awesome cool. Yeah, i'm gonna have to plug cool. my phone uh, in here it's gonna gonna die no, no worries, uh, man. I think uh, the sound doesn't get too messed up. I mean, I think we've we've kind of like gone through the gambit. I mean, like that sounds like a pretty fun day mm-hmm. on the water to me. Um, dang. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's just the flats, right? Like, um, yeah. There's so many. There's so many other ways to, to catch bass too. So, uh, yeah. Tune in next week when we talk about well, the river bass with Matt Martin. Let's get this. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah, but I think it so is. Many. You know, the more we talk about um, an explorer, you know. We really do have something very interesting. Mm. Yeah. The Great Lakes here in, in, you know, we get to access three Great Lakes from yeah. Ontario, you know, Erie, Georgia Bay, Huron, Lake Ontario. Look, uh, you know, it's cool that we're starting to 
you know, Matt, you're kind of championing them and, and we're, we're definitely yeah. getting out there a little bit more. I mean, yeah. literally we all live in Toronto, which is on the shores of Lake mm-hmm. Ontario, you know, yeah. we've got well, a lot of friends that, that fish it and they're happy to fish it. And you know, it's a cool thing to talk about because it's an amazing yeah. fisher. It's an amazing it's, ecosystem. Yeah. It's a fantastic fishery that is under pressured, underutilized. Um, I, I would definitely like to say I'm, I'm not like the, <clears throat> the original, I'm not the originator of this. I do follow a lot of people, but mostly in the States. Like it hasn't caught on here in Canada yet. So, um, you know, learning from lots of people that have done it and then putting our spin on it up here um, has made for a fantastic fishery that, like, you know, it's a short drive um, and, and the fish are big and there's varied species and it's, when else can you, like, I mean, I'm dreaming right now of walking around in a t-shirt in 28 degree yeah. weather and casting at monster smallies. Like, how does that get any better? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's a it's different. Um, it's a different approach to bass fishing altogether. Which you is don't really, need really a hundred and fifty thousand dollar bass boat. Yeah, that's probably exactly. the most important. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You can fish the big water without you know big equipment. Yeah. Which is really cool. And yeah. it happens all the time where you'll be in these back bays and the boats can't get where you are, and they'll just be like sitting there laughing, and be like, "Holy cow!" Like I had more than yeah. one one occasion last year. A guy rolled up and he's like, "You guys are smashing them." And I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, we're in a foot of water. You can't get your boat back there. And it, again, it's only for a short period of time. Two Good weeks point. later, they're the ones smashing them. Um, yeah. But like, it's they're always blown away. They first, I had one guy, he's like, I saw fly rods and I thought you guys were just like jokers or something out here. Yeah. And then he's like, I saw you lean into fish and he's like, you're cleaning up. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they don't see a fly too often. That's the other benefit. Yeah, we know what, yeah. we know what we're doing, baby. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, a wicked fun fishery. Let's say that. Amazing fun i think that's uh something to look forward to for all of us and of course uh matt you're gonna be guiding it how can people go out fishing with you for these bass flats baby yeah so um you know you can get in contact with me uh i'm really responsive you can send me a a message on instagram smooth river guiding um send me an email smooth river guiding at gmail.com or check out my website smoothriver.ca um, all great ways to get in touch with me. Um, bass days are filling up or almost full up. I think I don't, I don't think I have any weekend dates left, um, hmm. for flats bass. Um, there might be an exception here or there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a short window, so get on it while you can. Um, you know, it is weather, a little bit weather dependent. So being flexible is key. Like, well, you know, if the weather is going to be blowing 50k an hour we're just going to reschedule um i'm not going to take you out when the conditions aren't at least possible for you to have a great day on the water um and then uh yeah just practice your casting before we go yeah (laughs) get out into a city park or your backyard or even just somewhere and just practice 30 foot cast and accuracy over distance any day yeah smart i dig it got that double haul going yeah yeah get the double haul going um well, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show, man. And uh, yeah, welcome. everybody, hopefully, uh, you know, you enjoyed the bass the bass chats uh, if you're in Ontario or not. Um, and uh, come on, summer. Let's yeah. go. There's enough of this, uh, there's enough of this winter. Uh, what? Yeah. Well, no, I'm what? excited. You were just, I know. Me, just started. Like, we spent the whole day talking about going ice fishing. We spent the whole day <laughs> he in does January. But I know you guys aren't. None of you guys are excited about it. You guys are like, come on, let's go open water fishing. No one here wants to talk ice. Come on. You want to talk no. ice? I mean, we definitely don't want to talk ice on a fly fishing podcast, but I will say that, you know, it is January 23rd. Yeah. I do love what, you know, let's just get guys, one or two. Just come one or two, you know? It's still good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that too? That too? I love it. There's well, yes, Matt. In the river. Yeah. 
Thank you, Matt, so much. It was so good to chat, man, and good to You're catch welcome. up. And uh, stay toasty out there on the rivers. And uh, yeah, thanks, man. All right, no problem. Smoothrivergarden.ca. Thanks, guys. Thanks yeah. for the invite. It was a great time chatting with you all, and I can't wait to get back out there with you this summer. Yeah. Hell yeah. Did we do the shameless plug? Yes. Round, round two. Sorry, did we do the shameless plug? Yeah. yeah. These are shameless plugs. They are shameless. Yeah. You've done nothing just, but shameless, shameless plugs for like five okay, minutes. Okay, cool. <laughs> Smooth River. For like 68 minutes or whatever. At Smooth River. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Matt Martin. <laughs> I love it. All right. There Links we go. in the show notes. All that good stuff. Boom. That's it. Today's episode is brought to you in part by the one and only Gills Fly Fishing International. Gills Fly Fishing International provides the destination angler with the best personalized trip planning and booking experiences possible. And they run FFI Magazine, an online fly fishing magazine with articles from your favorite fly fishing writers. The magazine is filled with tips, trips, and tight line stories to get you jacked for your next adventure out on the water. Visit flyfishinginternational.com to learn more. That's flyfishinginternational.com. Or head to ffimagazine.com to check out the magazine. That's ffimagazine.com. Today's show is brought to you in part by Chums. Yes, Chums, the makers of fantastic outdoor gear for guides, dirt bags, river rats, and weekend warriors. Chums has been crafting exceptional products since 1983, most notably including their eyewear retainers, which is how they got their start. Many of Chums' products are made in the USA, and they're all designed with adventure in mind. Head to chums.com to explore a wide range of products, including wallets, bags, phone dry cases, eyewear retainers in all kinds of wicked styles, and much, much more. Every time we hit the water, Chums is right there with us in the form of amazing on-the-water gear, and of course, keeping our sunglasses from sinking to the murky depths of the waters we fish. Head to chums.com to explore sweet stuff, chums.com. Best Fishing Story Ever with April Vokey. My favorite fishing story is actually not all that adventurous, and it's definitely more sentimental, which is kind of disappointing, I guess, because I probably have 10 million mini fishing stories that all have spurts of excitement, but they don't necessarily resonate as something overly, you know, astronomically incredibly <laughs> important or special <laughs> in my life. So um, I think. I think if I had to give my favorite fish, it would be, I'd been to Norway uh, the first time I'd, I'd gone to Norway. I'd ended up meeting my husband there and it was all very, I'm not going to make it too romantic, but it was like in the movies where I opened the door and there he was, um, you know, with his waders on. It was just, it really was love at first sight. And so obviously from there we fell in love, did all the things, got married and then went back uh, the next year or a few years later and he was on his way to Russia fishing and I was coming in from the States somewhere from a, from my teaching circuit and I was pregnant. And so we fished Norway again on the same river that we fell in love at um, or on right by the old farmhouse that we had met at. And again, no fish, so that's two for two because the gala in Norway for Atlantic salmon can be very difficult. And then we went back again, um, three times the win, to the gala when I was, I think my daughter was two years old at that point, or two and a half. And so we were, we also hadn't caught any fish. <laughs> I'm not making the gala sound very good here, but it's just <laughs> a tricky, it's a tricky river. And 
Um, we oh no, that's right. No, 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 that was a different fish. This is going to be a double whammy. So okay. it was I think day four of our trip, and we had never I'd never caught a fish on the gala, and I had my daughter on my back, and we were on the same spot again by the same farmhouse that we'd fallen in love at, and um, sure enough. I ended up finally right there hooking my first and landing my first Gala River Atlantic salmon with my daughter on my back and my husband there. And it was all just this perfect moment that just came together with the whole family. So, um, well, you know, that's not overly exciting. There's no grizzly bears and rapids and 40-pound <laughs> fish. It's, um, it's, it's probably the most important fish that I've caught. And then it was the same trip, I think it was two days later, and I've got this whole thing on video <laughs> documenting it. We were running late to the airport, and I just had to make, like, five casts at this spot. And so Charles, my husband, stayed back at the car with our daughter. And I raced out to the river and ended up hooking into a 40-plus pound Atlantic salmon. Wow. And it was just, yeah. And so I'm doing the whole, like, arm wave help because we're going to miss the airplane at this point. And so Charles comes racing over and he's got his street clothes on and it's all really hilarious in the video because he's, he fishes lots too, right? So no way, he, he doesn't get as excited about big fish as maybe some husband's night. Right. And, um, and, he, and I really needed help netting this fish, not just for me, but for the sake of the fish as well. And he didn't want to get his boots wet. So <laughs> I think it's up on YouTube on my channel. And so he makes me he makes me pass him pass him the rod. And so he's holding the rod just straight up in the air. Well, I'm trying to run, grab the net and then net my own fish. And it was all just very hectic and very chaotic, but um but yeah, that was probably my favorite fishing trip as far as just Amazing. for sentimental reasons and obviously having my ass kicked by a fish. I couldn't move for like three days after that. Norway is really cool because it doesn't get dark. You'll hear people say, well, it's expensive. And I mean, for a DIY trip, because it's un unguided, I guess it is expensive, but it's 24 hours a day of light. And then what they do is they split you up into beats. So you have four different beats through the day um, wow. you know, over the space of 24 hours. So it's really funky because you'll be like, oh, I don't want to fish this beat. And that beat just happens to be a, oh no, I think it's six hour shift. Um, uh, this beat happens to be at six till or noon till six. I'm going to go to sleep on that beat. And I love my midnight till six beat. So I'm going to wake up and fish oh, wow. that That's instead. So, so yes, <laughs> it's surreal. You get really messed up. Um, but it's a very, very special trip, for yeah, sure. Cool. It's not as adventurous and as wild as, as what ten, I tend to gravitate towards. I mean, obviously, I prefer, I love running into grizzlies and, um, you know, Bolivia. I love all the madness that happens there, but not with a family. I like to do that when I'm solo. And remembering that I do have it all on video. If you can see him, he's so precious. Um, and with his boots and his jeans, like tiptoeing on top of the rocks, and he's wearing scarpas. Like they can go in the water, <laughs> seen in the water. But no, it, it, we we have some we have some good times for sure. Wow, that was a great episode. Hope everybody enjoyed uh, talking about bass. I think uh, it was a fun one to do. It was a uh, bass I mean, a good I'm time. 
bass of a good time. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that, isn't that a saying? You know, that time kicked bass. Yeah, that's oh, what I said. That that's what I meant kicking to say. Bass. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, that saying might be a little large. Mouth. mouth. <laughs> bass? I don't know. He um, sure didn't I will have say, a small mouth amount of info. Mouth. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> oh, I'm striped, Bass. I don't know. Um... <laughs> I wasn't lying when I said it was one of my favorite days. Like we we woke up. I mean, uh, you know, lucky to stay yeah. at Tom and Lisa's beautiful place. If uh, we'll put the links in the show notes, but if you guys want to check out the day tripping video we made on our YouTube about that day, yeah. you know, it really was a super fun day. We woke up to brilliant sunshine, bluebird day. We're up in you know um, up in Georgian Bay yeah. and spent the morning chasing fish, and then we we left and. Went to a brew, a local brewery, got some uh, wicked food, some wicked beers, mm-hmm. and then went hit back on the water, and then we got some barbecue for dinner, and chill. You know, it was just a all in all a great day. Caught a ton of fish, yeah. ton of fish. I know he said it's not a numbers game, but there's a lot of fish to be caught. There's a lot of fish to be caught, and uh, I I know what he means though. Like it's not like right bass fishing where you're like fish fish lily pad fish here's another fish yeah like a ton of dinky but it really was like it was super fun and i'm definitely like i now am gonna look forward to that every year that little three-week window it's it's gotta at least make one outing happen yeah hey yoma yep absolutely yeah i gotta come next year i don't even know (laughs) remember why i didn't go i can't remember what was going on because like june weren't you at your cottage it must have been something like that, yeah. yeah. Because uh, yeah, I'd love so. to go. It sounded it you looked would have super come. cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it looked super cool. Like uh, super fun. Freshwater flats for bass. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Mama. Second time, Adis and I did that trip. Yeah, it was great. Because we did it for carp. The yeah, year. I remember when you guys yeah. went out for carp. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we did half yeah. carp and then ha- half bass. But yeah, I'm I I'm so excited about just fishing in general. I mean. Uh, yeah, I know I was saying at the end there, oh, bass, I can't wait. I'm mean, Obviously, I can't, but like, I am excited for ice fishing season and spring. It's just all good. You know me. I'm Every just season excited. is good. This is why we live you here. We get all I love seasons. the seasons. I love the seasons. I love the seasons. I love the change of seasons. I love the seasons. I, I, I love, love the 23 degrees axis that this earth sits on to give us the seasons. Oh you almost spit in science. You spit in science. <laughs> I love it. We learned, speaking of spit in science, yeah. We, I finally wrapped my brain, and it took a while mm. around how tides work. Mm. We right. actually know how tides. Well, work. isn't it the? Because it's not the water moving. No, it's the Earth moving it's, within an orb. It's the of Earth water. moving within the water. It's like an orb of what? water around the Earth, and the Earth moves, and the water stays stationary. And, and what's and the significance with the with the moon? Because so the ahead. moon pulls the water out. Right. And that's why tides go in and out because it's not getting, the water's not going in and out. The earth is rotating. And as it rotates, the wa- it's coming into deeper yep. and shallower parts of that water body. Oh, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. So so if you look that's at awesome. the earth, what the yeah. what the gravity of the moon does is it make pulls, the water yeah. on earth bulge a little yeah. bit. And so as the earth moves and the moon moves around it, yeah. like Mitch said, we are the solid mass moving through the liquid. It would be like if you were to drop a soccer ball yeah. in, a, in a pool That's how and spin the soccer ball, right? So we are in Waterworld. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind of trippy to think about it, right? Because the whole <laughs> earth obviously not. isn't underwater. So it's like, yeah. yeah, it's weird. But 
It's cool. I heard but about yeah, that too. No, I think it was cool. like Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson or something that was talking about it. Yeah. Oh, so that wow. new Morgan Freeman one, that's really good. Which one? It's just came out on Netflix. It's called Our Universe and Morgan Freeman oh. narrates it. Oh yeah, that is a good one. Yeah. 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 Space show? Yeah. yeah. Space. Space. Also, I learned today, uh, CPC was reporting, mm. our the core of the Earth oh God, here is we go. now spinning in an opposite direction oh God. of the actual Earth. And they think that this <laughs> actually happens, like that uh, oh. the rotation changes multiple, like has, this has happened, oh, happened periodically. Before. So like... On Mars. We're going, and I that's don't know, when we're, Mars we going, became Mars and it was Earth. We're going... Cl- yeah, <laughs> we're going clockwise. It's going counterclockwise, um, which I thought was really neat. Very little is known about the core of the Earth oh. is also what this article was reporting. Do they know what that does when the Earth, Earth's core decides, you know what, now I'm going left? I mean, has it changed your day? Aside from the fact that you now only eat chicken burgers as opposed to... Maybe that's what burgers? that was. Maybe that's well, what I've also been walking backwards everywhere I go, and I don't really... That could be <laughs> it. I'm walking in reverse, <laughs> and I'm wearing shoes on my hands. <laughs> no one said anything yet <laughs> I don't know I don't know I guess not I've been putting a hot dog bun in between two hot dogs I'm freaking the core of the earth and I don't know now that you're saying this I'm realizing my behavior's a little bit irrational no I don't know imagine the, you're the little cat clock behind you starts ticking the other way <laughs> <laughs> oh my god talk tick talk, talk tick, tick. <laughs> Steph's like yeesh him saying my name backwards and stuff I'm like whoa stripping me out yeah well let's hope it doesn't come to that because you know I can't handle any more of this craziness right There's too much crazy stuff going on in the world like the earth's core is now going the other way Jesus Christ mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. well but anyway so it tides up. everybody anyway it, up. it was a great show I Live really think it, like we're like we're saying like I think, I don't know, <coughs> off the top of my head, places I've been in and around Ontario, Prince Edward County, yeah. Tobermory, Georgian Bay, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Eastern Georgia Bay, like Perry Sound area. Um, I'd say like, you know, Southwestern Ontario. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all areas that if you live there or if you visit or drive through there, those are probably places to start looking for flats. Yeah, it's pretty cool, like that we and uh, we, and going bass fishing. It's pretty cool, like we ended up like we were we live near the Great Lakes, you know. Like there's something cool everywhere, mm-hmm. but like the Great Lakes are so cool. Like when you look at a map, you're like, oh yeah, those things are massive. <laughs> like the Great Lakes, yeah, are huge yeah. amount of water, you know. And yeah, I know it sounds obvious. Yeah. So just when you think about it, it starts to kind of blow your mind, you know. No, for sure it does. Yeah. It's like it's a ton of water. That's probably why they're. I mean, I'm not gonna say they're underfished. But I mean, they're, they're pretty so daunting. You just daunting, look at them yeah. and you're like, I don't know where to, yeah. exactly. where do I start? That's what I liked about this chat with Matt. Cause he's like, I don't know how many times when I was learning how to fly fish or even like till to this day where I just like go to a body of water. I'm just like, eh, like that looks so open and just like, there's nothing going on. Like Shirley's Bay in Ottawa is a good example. You know, like I tried when I used to fish that, I mean, it gets a little deeper than, you know, what Matt was talking about, but it's just like a big bucket, like a big bay of just but if you're like, I'm looking for cruising fish, suddenly like that changes everything. If you just go out there and just start casting, yeah, you're probably not going to catch that many fish. Then you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. You give up. You know what I mean? But if you're just like, yeah, change the way you do it, look for cruising fish, make your choice casts, you know, then you're like, oh, this is actually, this is how you do it. I don't know. It's just unlocked something for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
give it a try. I mean, I, I guess that's it's about perspective too, right? Like, I think Yilma and I, you know, when we rolled up <coughs> on Tobago, not really. Ooh, well, there goes oh, your mic. My microphone almost said. <laughs> well, um, we rolled up in Tobago, like yeah. not really having exactly. saltwater fishing, but it was that expectation that we could find something. Yeah. So that's why we went and looked and then found fish and yeah. caught them. Yeah. And, but like, I think that's a good point, Mitch. Like, if I were to originally, if I were to look at Georgian Bay or. Mm. Or if I go to Prince, if you go to Prince Edward County, if you ever go to, uh, my God, yeah. uh, Sandbanks Provincial Park, yeah. you know, you're like, wow, where do I start? But if you start thinking like, oh, I, I, I just need to start, and then I'll figure it the out. E- things will yeah. be revealed, you know, just by doing. As opposed to like, a- if I'm fishing, if I'm gonna go fish a lake, I, I'm just gonna look at a topo map, go to drop offs and islands, and fish around and islands. Just blindly cast at six thousand yeah. times until something happens. Yeah, yeah. It, like at structure yeah. and stuff that I just. That's mm-hmm. tried and true, and obviously it's gonna work. And but it's like, yeah, lakes. You know, maybe they're. <laughs> I mean, it's like so obvious, but like, there's more to them than than just that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, there's bays and flats and things you can like. It's not just eh, look for an island or shoal and just start casting. Like, it's like yeah, you can do other stuff. So I know it's cool. Maybe it'll kind of like reevap make me reevaluate how I fish lakes a little bit because um, they can be. And they it's can like you say, man. All you need is a nine foot eight weight. That's it, man. That's what I'm saying. I've been saying that. Like, it's all you You've need. You've been saying that for since I met you. And my That's first row was You can definitely get overcomplicated, but but nine a nine foot eight weight. What else you need? A nine foot eight weight, 12 foot, 12 pound liter. Yeah. You know? You can fish mm-hmm. ev- uh, everything, you know? Couple, some clouds or minnows. I mean, pretty much. Like, up to, you know, unless, like, if you're going for tarpon, like, I'll settle down. You know? If you're going for musky, you know, you can do it. But, like,. <laughs> But nine foot eight weight, steelhead, bass, trout, whatever, pike, redfish, bonefish, redfish, permit. bonefish, bluefish, doesn't matter. One fish, two fish, three fish, pink fish. fish. Yeah, me fish. Nine foot eight weight. Everybody enjoy the nine foot eight weight. That is a quintessential like Ontario rod. That's what I'm saying. You know? Yeah, I think I that's think Ontario. If you, yeah. If people always ask me like, "Well, what rod should I buy?" Nine foot eight weight. And I'm like, you really only need two in Ontario. Yeah. You need like a five or a four weight. Yeah. And an eight, nine foot eight. Like you can fish, that you can co- fish. Covers most things. If you're a beginner and you're like, I'm gonna go fish a rod, we would use a five weight for, like trout or panfish or something. You could use a nine mm-hmm. foot eight weight. You'd be fine. As a beginner, you'd be. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it's not like doesn't make. You're not getting such you know delicate pre- presentation or like fishing so technically that you need some like a more supple rod. If you're a beginner, it's like just get a nine foot eight weight. Go fish brown trout with that. You'll be fine. And the fish will like you f- for it too. You know what I mean? Until you launch the twelve incher into the woods. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, maybe I should get a five. But I know what you mean. I mean, yeah. if you got to buy one, I would. Yeah. With how how many big fish we have in this yeah. region and how short a trout season it is. Yeah. Nine foot eight weight, baby. In Ontario, yeah, but Ontario. I don't know. Steelhead, carp, bass, pike. What about you, listeners? listening in Australia or Greenland or someplace far away. What do you think of the nine foot eight Connecticut. weight? Connecticut. Connecticut, <laughs> huh? Eight, nine foot eight weight? Info at Let us know what you think. Um, it's a good show. And um, what do we got going on? This show is coming out March 1st. Um, February 1st. Sorry, February 1st. Um, <laughs> we have um, a couple other shows coming up down the Slow pipeline. Down. Next, we're going to be talking to a guest who wrote a book on fly fishing in the Houston area. That's right. I think it's the second in that Texas series. Of course, a few at the beginning of the pandemic. Jesus. Yeah. Murphy. Uh, we had uh, Aaron Reed on. Yeah. 
Fly Fishing uh, Austin mm-hmm. in the same series. I'm showing Fly it to the camera Houston right now. Fly Fishing Houston um, with Robert McConnell. That'll be the episode that airs after this one, which will be February 15th. Yeah. And then March 1st, we got a bang. We got a for doozy you. for you, March 1st, everybody. We're not telling you no? who the guest is. I think is, we should. It's a, you think you should? Yeah. Drum roll, please. Parce que ça c'est le banger, hein? Come on, y'all, give me a drum roll, baby. Oh. March Drumroll. 1st podcast, we got someone we've wanted to have on the show for a long time. A hero. Of pretty much everybody. For all of us. If you're from around here, for sure. Like if you grew up in Ontario. We've My got... Chest is hurting. We've got... The one and only. Bob Azumi coming on the show. <laughs> March 1st, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, it's going to be awesome. Bob, Bob Azumi is coming on, talk about real fishing, his fishing life. And uh, we're going to just talk to him about that in great detail because i think we all grew up watching real fishing i mean that was like the weekend thing you know you'd like wake up on the weekend grab a bowl of cheerios and pop on real fishing and watch bob just absolutely dominate whatever body of water he was on (laughs) (laughs) it was awesome and you know i I met him once at an f3t screening in mississauga (laughs) yeah what a nice guy super nice guy like and and I mean, not that I was assuming he was not going to be yeah, this yeah. guy, but, uh, but you still, never know, like, right? You know, like, you never know. Yeah. He's a fishing and, celeb, uh, you know? He could be a, you know, talk to my people kind of thing, but he's not. Like, he's sending a fist bump emojis and being super nice, and um, we're, I think that's awesome because it's like, thank, thank the Lords, because we love, we, we grew up watching him, you know? He's a hero. I mean, like, if you, really, like, it's one of the reasons we did this show because we watch people like that from Ontario and be like, oh yeah, we can do, you, we know, can have like, you don't have to be Bill Dance. Yeah, yeah, you totally. You can have a long career telling fishing stories and yeah. introducing people to water. Yeah. Even if you're from little old Ontario. That's right. So get ready for that show. And then of course, we'll have many more podcasts to follow, but that'll take us into March and um, yeah, tell your friends, spread the word, give us some ratings on Spotify. Only if they're good. If you're going to give us a bad rating, don't bother. All right. I don't need none of that or stuff. Or else Mitch will find you. I'll come and get you. Eh, Yoma? Yeah. And he'll reverse the direction reverse. of your core. <laughs> uh. oh, that was good. I love it. Nice. Um, well, but, uh, it's a good note to... Yeah, that was a great show. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to do... Well, sorry. sorry. What? <laughs> uh, it was just funny because Mitch was saying the same thing and you said it and then he was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> Good. Oh no! I was just saying. I I, I feel like I haven't we haven't hung out in a, like a long time. Yeah, I know we just saw each other last week. I but I don't feel that at all with you guys. Well, we haven't had a we haven't had a, a trip in a little while. Like the oh, three of yeah. us, or just a hang. We just haven't had a hang. You know, usually this time of year we're doing something. So why don't we just we go hang, there, fellas? So well, hang out tomorrow that. night. What's wrong with you? Well, I don't know. Both of you been coughing halfway through the yeah, podcast. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> come near me, baby. We, we can. We can. <laughs> we'll find a time. We we'll pencil cool it in for a week. Our people will talk. Oh, All right, but uh, you know, uh, yeah. Everybody at home, thank you so much for listening. And uh, Matt, thanks for coming on. Um, uh, that's it for me, Mitch. Although, bye everybody. Yellow. Bye everyone. Thanks for listening. Take care. <laughs> Comb your hair. You can find all of our content at SoFly.ca. Reach out via email by sending your questions or comments to info at SoFly.ca. Find us on Instagram at the SoFly Group. Thanks for listening.